Hey everybody, this is Bob Olson and you're listening to Afterlife TV. This is where we talk about life after death and you can find us at afterlifetv.com. I want to thank our sponsor, Best Psychic Directory at bestpsychicdirectory.com. This is where you'll find over 900 psychics and mediums, animal communicators and the like right there where you can search by location, you can search by specialty, and you can read reviews about them written by people like you who have got readings from these lovely people. Check out bestpsychicdirectory.com. I also want to thank everyone who has left reviews for my books. The first one, The Magic Mala, that's my latest book, Magic Mala, A Story That Changes Lives. I look on Amazon here and I see Joanne C., Donna Heinrich, AMP, Pam Jenkins, Nature's Child, Ada, and Stitch. Thank you so very much for leaving your raving reviews. I go over to Answers About the Afterlife, and I want to thank Liz Johnson, David J. Miller, Beb330, Brazen Raccoon, and Annette L. Sashian. If I got your name wrong, I apologize, but I really do want to express my gratitude to everyone who has taken the time to leave a wonderful review so that other people can read it and feel confident in buying my books so that they'll enjoy them as much as you have. Boy, I'm having fun with season eight. I hope you're having a good time. This is actually the fifth episode. You got to listen to three right away. Then last week was the fourth episode. Now we're at the fifth episode of season eight. I think it's a special one. We're talking with Pam Coronado, who is currently a psychic and medium and a very well-known psychic detective who has been on all kinds of television shows, uh, even had her own television series. And I had the opportunity of interviewing her. Now, it's important to note that she had three children. She was married and she was going to school for subjects <laughs> completely the opposite of what we're talking about here and what she does for a living right now. Although she knew she had some intuitive abilities, she never saw herself as a psychic. Then one day she had a dream. And it is one of the most fascinating stories that has stayed in my mind ever since I interviewed her. I, I, I think of it often and it's a great example of many different things. The first one that I just want to point out before you hear the first part of this story, we often talk about how the spirit leaves the body before a traumatic death. Uh, this is kind of common knowledge. If you're new to Afterlife TV, okay, this might be new to you, but most people are pretty aware of the fact that when there's a plane crash or a car accident or things like this, the spirit will leave the body beforehand and goes into the spirit world. And this is a great story that sort of explains what this might be like for the person beforehand. Let's just listen to the beginning of the story. I'll come back and we'll go on to the next part of the story that really has a completely different message that we can talk about. All right, here's Pam. It was definitely not what I was planning when I was in high school. I never sat and thought, you know, I think I'd like to become a psychic detective. I was actually studying uh, architecture and design at UCLA when I started having this uh, series of dreams 
nightmares. I just started getting plagued with nightmares. And at the time I had, my kids were little, I had three kids and they were raised like one to, uh, I think the youngest was one and the oldest was four. So it was sort of creating chaos in my life that I really wasn't welcoming at, the, at that point. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I dreamed about a, a woman who went missing locally. And in the dream, I guess I had an empathic um, experience of being her. Okay. So um, I was riding in the back seat of a car wow. in the dream, and the person in front of me was uh, my husband, but it was a person that I've never laid eyes on before. But in the dream, I knew this was my husband. Oh, wow. And the, there was a person in the front seat with him, a female. And I knew that that was his girlfriend and that they were going to kill me. I realized that they were going to kill me. Whoa. So um, I looked out the window. This is still in the dream. Yeah. I looked out the window and I can still remember it like it was yesterday. There was an angel flying outside the car and waving like, come with me. And I did. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, because that was preferable to wherever we were going. <laughs> yeah. And then I had this experience of going with her to what I could only describe as heaven, to uh, a big castle and these huge walls and a feeling of um, more reverence than I've ever felt in my entire life. As in, I don't know if I belong here or deserve to be here. or It was a really overwhelming feeling and the dream was so vivid that I you know obviously I wrote everything down that I could remember because it was just incredible I'd never had a dream like that I didn't know what it meant I didn't know what was happening and I didn't tell anyone <laughs> <laughs> just because you know it's kind of strange and then about three days later I think it was I was reading the paper and I I didn't know what to think. I mean, it was the most incredible life-changing moment ever because there was a picture of the man in my dream. Oh, wow. And his wife was missing, and he was the prime suspect. No kidding. So my whole world sort of started crumbling at that point. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. There's so much in that story uh, that we can talk about. Um, for one... You must have woke up and, uh, well, I should say, once you read this this newspaper article, what do you do with that, right? This is the big question. What do you do well, with I that? Well, I did nothing with that. Uh, um, for one, I was just really embarrassed. I, you know, how do you go tell someone you had a dream and you think that you were getting murdered? <laughs> yeah. You know? And this is all new to you? I mean, so you haven't had a lot of sort of what you might call psychic-related experiences before this? None. No. I mean, as a kid, I was intuitive, but I... I never realized I was any different than anyone else. I just thought everybody was insightful. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just thought I was insightful. Yeah. And so uh, all of a sudden you have this. Was there anything you th that in hindsight, you know, you hit your head, you're, you know, anything you've been meditating recently that might have precipitated this? I have no idea. They, you know, I don't know if it was the, my hormones because I've had three kids in four years or. Yeah. You know, something, something like that, maybe. Yeah. But, 
So, you know, I know people who have young children now, um, and, and that's, it would be the last thing that they would want in, the, in their life. You know, like I, I don't have a, a breath to myself right here, and, and, and now I have this on my shoulders. Uh, mm -hmm. What did you do with it? Yeah, for a while I did nothing. I was really hoping it was just uh, one freak incident. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, then, uh, and then one night I saw the news, and, and I started following the case, obsessively honestly as you would and there was a there was a news report and the and it turns out it, it's all just very complicated but it turns out i went to high school with this woman who was missing oh. and so i knew some of the parties involved not well but i had gone to school with all of them so i saw the mother and the grandmother on the news and they were crying and they were asking if anybody had any insight any tips, any, anything, please come forward and tell the police. So I really started feeling guilty for letting my, my fear and my pride and everything else get in the way. So I decided instead of going and calling police unsolicited or something, I would go down and volunteer for the search because they were having a search every weekend. So I would just go down and volunteer for the search and if there happened to be anybody there that I could tell, then I would, you know, tell. Otherwise, yeah. I would just go search. Right. And um, and it turns out that uh, the person that was leading the search was actually a good friend, somebody else I went to high school with. Okay. And I felt pretty confident telling him my dream because I knew he wouldn't think I, you know, was crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, I knew that he would you know, take it well. Right. And so it was a safe, it was a safe little situation for me to, you know, sort of take my first wobbly steps into this field. But all along, you know, I kept telling him, I'm not a psychic. This isn't me. This is, I just had this dream and I think it'll help. And, and they would ask me questions you know, it was a weird, the weirdest day of my life. I ended up talking to the detective and going to the house where he was then coming in face to face with the suspect. And oh. it, it was the weirdest day of my life, really. <laughs> I've had several after that, but <laughs> yeah, right. But to that point, that was the strangest thing that had ever happened to me. Was this friend that you saw during the search, high school friend, was he the first person that you told uh, didn't tell any other yeah. family members or anything. You just did. Yeah. Did they? Did anybody else know that you were even going to go help with this search? No, I think you know. Obviously, just my husband because I was supposed to be at school that day, and I decided to uh, go ahead and and play hooky. And or I thought I kept thinking I'll just go down there and give them a couple of tips. Maybe hopefully we'll go to the first place, second place, and we'll find her. And then I can go to school. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I was thinking was going to happen. <laughs> yeah. 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 Now it's interesting. So what you said about the dream, uh, now, you know, after doing so many of the, these, you, you know, what, what normally would be helpful to police and what would not be helpful to police. Was there anything in the dream as far as location that was helpful in that dream? Maybe yeah, there, yeah. There was. That's what made it so significant is that, you know, I was driving along in the car looking out the window. Yeah. So I got a sense of where where we were driving around. And it actually turned out not to be exactly where I mentally, where I had decided it was. Yep. But it matched visually. Yeah. 
and you know, just to make finish up the story, she was found that day. I wasn't with the group, the founder, yep. but we just got out maps and started highlighting all the areas that sort of matched my description. Yeah. And uh, we just, you know, one by one eliminated them until, until they found her that day. That was Pam Coronado and in an interview I did with her. That's a little highlight from that interview. You can watch the whole interview from the link in the show notes. What I really like about that, as I mentioned, is her description of how her spirit left her body, the angel waving her on, and then she went into the spirit world. I really love her description of both of those things, and I think they're great examples of things that I have heard numerous times from people who have had near-death experiences, people in spirit who have communicated through mediums, lots of evidence for that concept. And that's just one of the things that we can get from that incredible story. We'll talk more about that in a minute, but I think one of the questions that comes up when we hear this story or stories like this is something that I write about in my book, Answers About the Afterlife. There's actually two questions that come up. And the first one is, does my loved one in spirit want me to solve his or her crime? Which is just another way of saying, does my loved one in spirit want justice? The second question that comes up after that And so we're going to talk about that here as well, is does my loved one in spirit seek vengeance? Now, if you're familiar with Afterlife TV, you already know the answer to that. The answer to the latter vengeance one is without a doubt, no. And I'll explain why in a moment. But going back to, you know, does my loved one in spirit want his or her crime solved? They want justice I'm going to have Alan read from Answers About the Afterlife. This is a clip from the audiobook. This is Answers About the Afterlife. Subtitle is A Private Investigator's 15-Year Research Unlocks the Mysteries of Life After Death. You can check that out on BobOlson.com. You can go straight to Amazon. You can get the audiobook there. Or you can go to Audible if you're an Audible.com member. All right, so let's listen to what I wrote in that book about these two subjects is actually going to be two clips, both of those questions regarding justice and vengeance. Here we go. Does my loved one in spirit want me to solve his or her crime? Does my loved one in spirit want justice? People in spirit have no use for justice, except when it will help their surviving loved ones feel better. So, no, they do not seek justice, and they do not care if their crime is solved unless it will somehow benefit the people they love on the earth plane. Let me illustrate how this might happen. For example, if a mother is suffering because she thinks her daughter died by suicide, which is considered a sin in this mother's religion, yet the daughter was actually murdered, then the spirit of the daughter has a reason to want her crime solved. She wants her mother to know that she didn't take her own life. As a second example, if a man went missing because he was robbed and left for dead, while taking a walk after an argument with his spouse, and his body was never found. He might want his crime solved so that his wife knows that he didn't run out on her, or that he didn't take his own life because of the argument. From a spirit world perspective, the only purpose in having crime solved is to reduce the suffering of those still living. Otherwise, the truth of every crime will eventually be known, since we'll all find out what really happened once we die and return to the hereafter. 
and since there is no concept of time in the afterlife, people in spirit don't feel like they have to wait long for their loved ones to learn the truth about their crimes, so there is no rush for the truth to be known. Most spirits say it's like a blink of an eye before all their loved ones are with them again on the other side. Many times, a crime is left unsolved because it serves the best interest of the people living. What I mean by this is that it fulfills those people's pre-birth plans to have this experience. Why? Because not knowing if your son took his own life or was murdered, for example, is a very challenging human experience. Each possibility holds different meaning to the surviving loved ones, so they don't know what to think or how to deal with it when the mystery is left unsolved. Yet this alone is an experience that a soul might choose to know, so the mystery might go unsolved forever, or the mystery might eventually be solved, depending upon the soul's desires. Does my loved one in spirit seek vengeance? Vengeance is a human concept that does not exist in the afterlife. It's of a lower energy much like jealousy, hatred, and fear. Such negative thoughts are impossible for spirits living in the light of the universe. Thus, no person in spirit would ever desire it. People in spirit know only love. As a result, they actually believe in the idea of turning the other cheek. They know that two wrongs do not make a right, and therefore, two acts of hatred can never make an act of love. So vengeance is something they never desire. Instead, they prefer forgiveness. You forgiving any person who might have been responsible for that person's death or for harming them during their human life. It's not an easy task for many people. But that's what spiritual growth is all about. Forgiveness is actually less about letting the other person off the hook than it is relieving yourself of suffering. When you carry the weight of blaming someone with contempt, it is actually your burden to carry. But when you release them of that blame and contempt, you release yourself of holding that negative energy inside you, which raises your overall vibration of love. Great. Again, that's Alan Adelberg. He did the voiceover for Answers About the Afterlife audiobook. Thanks, Alan. I love those two questions because they say so much about our relationship with our loved ones in spirit, or really their relationship with us. There's so many things that we would think that they would want, but that's just us projecting our human qualities onto a spirit, right? It's also us living in a place where there is evil as well as love and projecting that onto spiritual beings that live in a place where there is only love. There is no evil. There's no crime. And so when it comes to asking these questions about, does my loved one want anything? It always comes down to only if it's going to help us in some way. Our loved ones don't need or want anything from us. They are worried about us. And that's not even a good word. They care about us. They have compassion around us. So if it's good for us, then sure. And that's when they would help us to find the person who murdered them, that sort of a thing. Now, as mentioned, if it's not meant to be, if there's lessons for us in not ever finding out who did it, not ever solving the crime, then again, it's all about us. And there's not going to be any frustration on their part. And you don't need to feel like a failure or that you failed them if you're unable to solve their crime because 
Maybe it's just not meant to be. And again, it's all about you. Well, now I just want to digress a little bit and finish off Pam Coronado's story. I think it's such a fascinating story. And really, the reason I'm playing this is because it's such a great example of what happens in our lives when we are in touch with the flow of life, when we are really more aware of what's going on in our lives. Sometimes we sit around and we go, oh, I just wish, you know, my spirit guides would guide me or I wish I knew what I wanted to do in life. And sometimes the signs are all there for us. The path is perhaps laid out for us, but we just don't see it because it's not something we want. And this is a great example because in Pam's case, this isn't something she wanted was to be a psychic or a medium or a psychic detective. But it seems as though, if we look at all the signs and we hear this story, that this is perhaps a path that was meant for her. Now, if she didn't take this path, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. She has free will. She gets to make that choice. And her life is going to turn out fine, no matter what. But when we're in the flow and we're paying attention to what is flowing into our lives and what is falling into our laps then sometimes life is just a lot easier for us and we get a great deal of satisfaction or fulfillment out of that. So let's uh, finish up Pam's story and just hear how things finished off for her, which led her in a completely new direction. Here's Pam. Talk about a whack on the side of the head. Hey, Pam, you're supposed to go in this direction. (laughs) It's like, what a wake-up call amazing. Uh, how, how much longer after this did you maybe have your second experience? <clears throat> yeah, that's what's so funny is I thought, okay, that was weird. And now I can go back to school and things and have my kids and my family and things will go back to normal. Yeah. It, it couldn't have been more than a week oh. where I got a call from someone. <clears throat> and it was really funny because, you know, she, her daughter was missing And she was frantic. And I said, how in the world did you even get my number? And she said, well, I talked to, his name was John. And she said he was the one that was in charge of the search party in the other case. And he gave her my number. So I told her, you know, I said, I didn't dream about your daughter. I don't know how to help you. (laughs) Yeah. Because I didn't dream about her. So I don't, and I'm not a psychic. I don't know what I'm doing. Right. They eventually convinced me to, um, I don't even know where it came up, but they convinced me to be medi- to um, hypnotized. Oh. And so I guess it was a, a psychic that had done crime work before. She hypnotized me and started asking me questions. And I thought I was just making stuff up. It seemed like I was making yeah. stuff up. Yeah. And uh, that turned out to be um, another pretty, pretty big case that got solved quickly that um from LA from Los Angeles. So well, and with with the help that you gave them? <clears throat> yeah, in that case they they found her. They had the girl. Yep. Uh, by the time I got involved, but she was from my town, which is 60 miles north of Los Angeles. So her body had been found in Los Angeles. Oh. And so they were really looking for a a suspect. They were looking for the the person that did this and like I said, I, I was new at this and just kind of learning, and I made a lot of mistakes out in the field, but um, 
I kept hearing his name as Rosen. I thought his name was Rosengrin. And I described a lot of things about his personality and his relationship to the girl, which got the mother thinking about someone that she knew. Yeah. And she gave his name to the detectives. And when they ran him, he had a prior incidents. And so they had DNA on him. And it turns out that was him. Wow. Uh, but his name was Robinson. <laughs> so Close, I, right. Yeah, working on my intuitive hearing. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah, exactly. Uh, oh my God, your mind must have been blown because okay, you have a dream. So you have a dream. You understand? We know what dreams are. You have a dream, but this is a very lucid, vivid dream. Um, so this is unusual. All right, but now all of a sudden you're pushed into the second case and don't even know you're really a psychic, and and so they use hypnotism, which is basically deep meditation to right. ask you questions and get more information, which again leads to solving this crime. It's, uh, right. it's amazing to me. There's people all over the world who are searching for their purpose in life. Yours just falls right down on top of your head. <laughs> right. And for the first time ever, after this started happening for the first time ever, I finally figured out that this is what I wanted to. Yeah. It, it took a while. Yeah. I fought it for a while, but, I started to realize this is where I feel like I finally fit. Like, this is it for me. Yeah, 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 which is awesome. Okay, I packed a lot into one episode. There's a lot of variety here. Maybe you weren't too interested in one thing, but the other things were pretty exciting for you. Again, we talked about when the spirit leaves the body before a traumatic death. We talked about whether our loved ones want us to solve their crimes or if they want justice or even vengeance. And then we also talked about following our path in life. What is our path in life and, and how might we know what that is? For Pam, it seemed pretty obvious. For other people, maybe not so much. But it's very easy for us to say, oh, this was uh, really obvious for Pam. That was just fell in her lap. And in some ways, that's true. In other ways, she certainly could have resisted it. She could have had that first dream and she could have just put that away, never told anybody about it, forgot about it and moved on with her life. Does that mean she wasn't going to have more dreams later on? Eh, probably not. But she always had that free will choice to do that. Say, I'm not going down that road and therefore I'm going to forget about it. And she didn't. She went with it. She went with the flow and look what happened. This is the point of the end of this episode that I'm trying to make. I think there are things that fall into our laps that we wouldn't necessarily see it as such. Maybe because we ignore it. We don't want to look at it. We don't want to go there. And so I'm encouraging you to pay attention to those things and think about them and consider what if I went with that? What if I followed that path and just to see where it might go? How might my life improve, change, be more exciting and adventurous? Certainly has been an adventurous life for Pam, that I know. So that's something to think about for another week. I hope you're enjoying your summer still. I'm definitely having a great time. The weather is starting to cool off a little bit, so it's great. It's just perfect summer weather right now. So I'm going to leave the studio here, get out on my spider, take a little ride, Enjoy the day before it has passed. 
In the meantime, I welcome your reviews for my books on Amazon. I welcome your comments in all the places that you can leave them. You usually have your favorite places for them. Certainly check out our sponsor, which is my site, bestpsychicdirectory.com. Thank you very much. I wish you the best. Bye-bye now. That's all for another fantastic Afterlife TV episode. Bob couldn't be happier. If you enjoyed this episode as much as Bob, please leave a comment on AfterlifeTV.com, Facebook, Twitter, or YouTube. And don't forget to check out Bob's book, Answers About the Afterlife. Thanks for watching Afterlife TV.